It was the summer of 2014. I was in prayer one afternoon when God prompted me to apply to seminary. And being the woman of faith that I was, my response was, no way. Are you sure you're talking to me? I don't know anything about ministry. And besides, how could I even afford it? You see, I had been out of work for over a year and had very little left in my savings. I was not in any kind of financial position to be going to school. And I personally didn't believe in taking out loans when there was no foreseeable way to pay back when it was over. And to me, seminary was just that. But God continued to prompt me to go to seminary. And so I did. Within the first two weeks of class, I received my very first bill from school in the mail, and I was nervous. But that same weekend, God provided me with a job to work as a youth director of a local church that helped cover my tuition for the next two years. Things were going great. I loved my job, I loved being in school, and I loved the fact that I was able to support myself and didn't need to take out any loans. But then, right before my final year of seminary, God gave me a little test. One day in prayer, I sensed his still, small voice leading me to resign from my youth ministry position. You want me to do what? I was struck with immense fear and panic at the thought of not having any means to support myself. I wrestled with God for days and was in agony. But you're the one that called me to seminary. Why would you want me to give up my sole means of income when I'm so close to being done with school? You know, sometimes God asks us to do things that doesn't seem to make any sense. During that time in seminary, God gave me that test, to, which for me didn't make any sense. And what we're about to see in this passage in Genesis is that Abraham faced a much harder test. Let's read what it says in Genesis 22, verse 1 to 2. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on, on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Whoa. Abraham's heart must have sank when he heard those words from God. He had waited 25 years for the birth of his son Isaac. God told him that it would be through Isaac that he would make Abraham into a great nation. And yet here was God telling him to sacrifice the child of promise. What was God thinking? Why was he asking this? I can only imagine the inner turmoil that was going on in Abraham's soul at the time. And yet he did not delay, but he arose early next morning and went to Moriah, which took three days. Do you ever wonder what was going on in Abraham's mind during those three days as he traveled with Isaac to Moriah? Every step he took brought him one step closer to the inevitable. I can only imagine the kind of conversations that Abraham had with Isaac, knowing that it would be his last. 
Can you imagine the anguish and sorrow that Abraham felt when he finally reached Moriah, lifted up his eyes, and saw the hill where he would have to sacrifice his one and only son? He placed the wood for the altar on Isaac's back while he himself carried the fire and the knife. The two of them climbed their way up to the hill, and once they reached the place God had told him, Abraham set the altar and bound his son Isaac. I can envision Abraham raising the knife with his trembling hand, tears streaming down his face as he looked down at his beloved son for the last time and saw his entire life flash before his eyes from the moment God gave him the promise to the moment Isaac was born to the moment he held him in his arms for the very first time, to this very moment. Now it's right here at this point of the story that if you're like me, you don't want to read further because this is a disturbing and troubling story. It stirs us up when we read about it. I can only imagine how much it stirred up Abraham and how troubling it was for him. And maybe you're wondering, what he must have been wondering at the time. Wait a minute, is this the God I know? Our Heavenly Father, the one who's abounding in love? How could God ask Abraham to do such a thing as sacrifice his own son? In this day and age, the concept of child sacrifice is considered absurd and outrageously offensive. But back in the ancient world, this was a common practice that was performed by Israel foreign neighbors. The Canaanites were offering up their children to the god of Molech all the time, especially when their cities were under siege. And while these foreign gods required the people to offer up their children in exchange for protection, what sets our god apart is that our god provided a substitute. Yahweh didn't make Abraham go through with it, which we'll see later, but instead, he himself provided the sacrifice. Let's read what it says in verse 7 and 8. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so they went, both of them, together. You know, oftentimes when you read this passage about Abraham, we have a hard time relating to him and his level of faith. I mean, if it were me or any one of you, we probably wouldn't be able to do what Abraham did. But if you look at the entirety of Abraham's journey with God leading up to this moment, he wasn't always this great man of faith who fully trusted God. Several chapters prior to Genesis 22, we see a picture of Abraham who grows impatient, waiting for God's promise, and instead takes Hagar as his wife and has a son with her named Ishmael, who was not the child of promise. Abraham took matters into his own hands instead of fully trusting in God to carry out his promise. On two separate occasions, Abraham lies about the identity of his wife Sarah, to both Pharaoh and Abimelech out of fear for his own safety. Does this sound like a man who fully trusted God? 
No. In fact, he was just like us, impatient, fearful, and wanting to be in control of our own future. So why did God give Abraham this test? Well, it's revealed in verse 12. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. That phrase, fear God, is not the kind of fear that holds us back out of fear of judgment. But rather, it's the holy, reverent fear that trusts God even when things don't make sense. It is a kind of obedience that does not hold back what is precious and commits to God even the future which he himself has promised. So how can this story from long ago have any application to our lives today? Well, thank God that nobody here is going to be asked by God to sacrifice their kid. But God does test us in smaller ways on the matter of trust. God had to look at Abraham's heart to see if he fully trusted him with Isaac. And in a similar manner, God is looking at our hearts to see if we will trust him in areas of our lives. Personally, I struggled to trust God with my finances. When he told me to quit my job when I was in seminary, I wrestled with God for days, bound by fear. The thought of giving up my job when I had bills to pay was more than I could bear. After days of unrest, it was the gentle, still, small voice of my heavenly father that finally broke me. And he said, my beloved daughter, let go of poverty. You see, at that moment, God exposed the mindset of poverty that kept me bound from fully trusting in him with my finances. Somehow, I had looked to myself to be the provider instead of trusting in God who was the source of all provision. And so I eventually did what he asked and resigned from my position, but I was devastated and the fear lingered for days. I remember being curled up on my bed one night like a little girl, wondering, how am I ever going to finish school now? That night, the gentle, still, small voice of the father spoke to me again. And he said, I promise. I promise. I promise I'll take care of you. As soon as I heard the tender words of my father, I broke down in tears. It was as if the father had walked into my room right at that moment, scooped me up in his arms, and held me, comforting the scared little child that was inside. That following Monday, I went to school and was called by my financial aid counselor. Gina, she said, I have some news for you. I'm not supposed to tell you this until you receive the official letter next month, but the Holy Spirit has been prompting me all weekend to tell you. Earlier this semester, you applied for a partial scholarship for the next academic year. Well, we typically don't do this, but our scholarship committee has decided to offer you the full scholarship for the entire year. Glory to God. 
Tears of joy and gratitude streamed down my face as I stood there in awe of God's abundant goodness. What I learned from this is that sometimes God tests us because we have the tendency to rely on ourselves instead of fully trusting in him. You know, typically when we hear that word test, we think of it from an academic context. We think of tests as pass or fail and that we have to strive and work hard in order to pass God's tests. In other words, it's based on our own performance. But the purpose and goal of God's tests is actually quite different from the tests we're used to. God's tests expose man's limitation and reveals his infinite goodness and mercy. This passage in Genesis shows us that it's not up to man, but up to God to keep his promises. Let's read what happens to Abraham in verse 13 and 14. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Look at that word provide with me in verse 14. Do you see that word provide? It's listed there twice. The first time it says the Lord will provide. And the second time it says on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. When Hebrew that word provide literally means to see or to see to a thing. So when Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide, another way of saying that is the Lord sees or the Lord sees to it. Think about that attribute of God with me for a moment. It is God who sees, and wherever God sees, he acts. God is not passive in his seeing, but he's active. That means that when God sees us, he will see to it. And that's what he did for Abraham. God saw the promises long before he even made his covenant with Abraham. God saw Isaac long before he was even born. And as Abraham went up to Moriah to offer up his son, God saw the ram. The test revealed that it wasn't up to Abraham, as great as his faith was at that moment, but it was actually up to God to fulfill his own promise. And he did so by providing a ram to take Isaac's place. Abraham's final declaration in verse 14 is a prophetic one, for he says, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Or another way of saying that is, on the mount of the Lord he will be seen. And he was seen. 2,000 years later, God would provide another ram to take the place of man. He would lift up his eyes, carry his cross, and walk up the hill where he would be bound and crucified. In this story of Abraham and Isaac, we are the Isaac that was bound on the altar. But because God provided his one and only son, Jesus, to be our ram and our substitute, we were unbound, and we get to come down off from the altar because Jesus went to the cross. 
two years ago, I went on a class trip to Israel led by one of my professors, Dr. Whitbin. And out of all the sites that we visited, one of the most profound place was the house of Caiaphas, the high priest. Under Caiaphas's house is a dungeon that is made out of stone. Some of you have been there. It is the place where Jesus was held for 24 hours the night he was arrested. The cell had no windows, no doors, and no lights. The only way in or out for a prisoner was to be tied around their shoulders and chest with a rope and then lowered down. The night Jesus was arrested, he was beaten and mocked and then lowered down into this cold, dark pit. There he would face the wall, bound with his feet barely touching the ground, immersed in complete and utter darkness. There was such a heaviness as we stood in the place where Jesus was bound. I placed my hands on the walls of the cell, and as soon as I did, I saw a vision. It was of Jesus. His head was drooped down, and his face was covered in blood and sweat. Jesus lifted up his head, and he looked into my eyes. And through his eyes, he said to me, I did it for you. It was at that moment I realized how much God loved me. That he would send Jesus to take my place and die for my sin. What are the tests that you're going through in this season? Where are the places that God is asking you to trust him? Perhaps it's a situation with your job or your finances. Or perhaps it's your spouse or your own children that God is asking you to trust him and surrender. No matter the test, God will provide for he sees you. Just as God saw Abraham and Isaac and was faithful to keep his promise, God also sees you. The question is, can you see him? Close your eyes with me for a moment. Imagine Jesus, who was just brutally beaten, abandoned by his friends, and awaiting his fate in this cold, dark cell. His hands and his feet are bound by rope, with his arms stretched high and his feet barely touching the ground, immersed in complete and total darkness. Imagine Jesus lifting up his head and looking into your eyes. He says, I did it for you. I did it for you. I took your place and carried the weight of your sin upon my shoulders. I was bound so that you can be free. 
friends, Jesus, our ram, has set us free. He set us free, free from condemnation, free from guilt, free from shame, free from fear and anxiety, free from control, and free from the power of sin. Jesus, our ram, was bound and crucified so that we can be free. Thanks be to God.